Good morning. This year, our gospel readings are from the Gospel of Luke. Of all the gospels, Luke is most careful to place the events of Jesus' life in their historical and political context. Yet Luke also makes clear from the beginning that the events that he narrates are not the result of worldly ambitions, but of the will and purpose of God. So chapter one begins, in those days, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. But events are set in motion when an angel appeared to Zechariah and the angel Gabriel announced the birth of Jesus to Mary. And in chapter two, the birth of Jesus took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Then a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. But the real proclamation is the good news of great joy which will come to all people, which was heralded to shepherds in the field. And in chapter 3, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Luke never lets us forget the historical context of the events he narrates. But he also never lets us doubt who is really in charge of the events. Luke consistently emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit and of prayer. Of all the Gospels, Luke alone tells us that after Jesus' baptism, it was while he was praying that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice proclaimed, Thou art my beloved Son. And it was after he had been praying all night that Jesus called his twelve apostles and delivered his sermon on the plain, which we have heard over the last two Sundays. So also, it is only Luke who tells us that it was as he was praying alone and with the and the disciples with him that Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Which led to Peter's confession, thou art the Christ. And it was about eight days after this, Luke tells us, that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. And Luke alone tells us that it was as he was praying 
that the appearance of his countenance was altered and his raiments became dazzling white. This transfiguration is the high point of Jesus' life, a true mountaintop experience and the turning point in Jesus' ministry. Up to this point, from, the from Peter's confession to the transfiguration, Jesus had reconstituted Israel by calling his 12 apostles. He had attracted a following and gathered thousands on the hillsides. But from this moment, Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and to teach his followers the cost of discipleship. If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The transfiguration was the moment when the veil was lifted and God revealed his glory upon the holy mountain. This was the moment when Jesus, in prayerful consideration with Moses and Elijah, with the law and the prophets, spoke of his departure. The Greek word is exodus, which he was to accomplish in Jerusalem. And from this moment, when Jesus came down from the mountain of transfiguration, the crowds began to fall away from him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. The first parish that I served was across the street from a hospital and I used to make regular visits there. One day I happened to call on a woman whom I had known as a boy. She was the mother of a classmate and had been a member of my church. She was actually a crusty, opinionated, and irascible woman. <laughs> Someone Mark Twain might have described as a good woman of the worst sort. <laughs> Even though she had emphysema and had been admitted to the hospital with only days to live, she still smoked. Someone, some time ago, someone at church had done something that offended her, so when I saw her that day, she hadn't been to church in years. She was alert, however, and she recognized me, and we talked, and before I left, I prayed with her the prayer, now I lay me down to sleep and pray the Lord my soul to keep. When I came back the next day, her family was in the room and she was visibly much weaker. But the appearance of her face was changed. She had had some experience during the night and she was, I don't really know how else to say it, she was radiant. We stood around her bed, some of us 
weeping. And she roused herself and said, oh, stop that. <laughs> then she said, I only wish you could be as I am now. And she laughed and said, well, not exactly as I am. <laughs> then she said, it would all be so much easier if we could just believe what we were told as children. During the season of Epiphany in the Gospel lessons, Jesus has been manifested to us as the light of the world. We have encountered him with the wise men as he was revealed to the nations. We have heard him proclaimed God's son at his baptism. We have witnessed his miracles of healing and heard the gracious words of his beatitudes. And today, on the last Sunday of Epiphany, we have beheld his glory on the holy mountain. Soon, we will begin our own Lenten journey. We shall wrestle with our own temptations and confront the powers and principalities of our own Jerusalems. For our world, too, has its Caesars, its governors, and its tetrarchs who issue their decrees and scheme to bend the world to their wills. But we know, as we heard from Paul today, that the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. And so, we too must come down from our mountaintops. We too must walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We too, as we prayed today, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, must be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Amen. Amen.